Proverbs chapter number 17, we'll read verse number 22, and we're going to pray, all right? Proverbs chapter number 17, <clears throat> verse number 22, let's all stand with, for the reading and reverence of the word of God. Proverbs chapter number 17, verses number 22, the Bible says, A merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth bones. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you take the word of God. You would uh, give it to us in clarity of thought and speech. I pray, God, that your people would be attentive to hear what thus saith the Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us in this hour, Lord, to be better Christians than we were before we come in. I pray we'd take these great truths in the Scripture that are applicable to our life and apply them to our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, Proverbs chapter number 17, verse number 22. You hear a lot of uh, remarks made about this verse of Scripture, and uh, I have no issue with laughter and having a good time. I'm a jovial, good time kind of guy. I like to have a good time. Uh, but I will say this, there's a little more seriousness to this verse of Scripture than a lot of people deal with when they uh, talk about this verse of Scripture. You have a lot of comics or comedians or things of that nature that want to act like the house of God is a place for you to go crack wise jokes and have a big time. And uh, then they use this verse of scripture to uh, back, up, back that up. But I think that they take a little bit more liberty with this verse of scripture than what uh, they should. The house of God is a serious place. The house of God is a place uh, where we open the scripture and hear what the Lord has to say. And that's not to mean that we're sticking the mud uh, or that we can't smile or have a good time or uh, what have you, I believe if the child of God is right with God and reads the word of God, there's some joy in that, Brother Shane, uh, true joy in serving the Lord. But I do want to take this verse of scripture and look at something tonight if the Lord would help us. The Bible says, a merry heart doth good like a medicine. Now we need to understand what merry is, okay? And so merry is uh, gay and noisy, jovial exhilarated to laughter, pleasant, agreeable, delightful, causing laughter or mirth. Now we mentioned the other night when we was reading uh, Nehemiah chapter number 8, how that the children uh, of Israel had made their way back into Jerusalem and that uh, they had gathered together and banded together as a remnant and rebuilt the wall there at Jerusalem. And Ezra had mounted the pulpit of wood and opened the word of God and began to preach the word of God. And it done something in the hearts of those that were within the sound of his voice. And we understand that uh, the Levites made it uh, known. They helped expound the scripture so that those that were in earshot could understand what it was that the Word of God was saying. So there was, they were expounding the Scripture. And we know that Nehemiah talked about uh, in verses number 12, the Bible said, And all the people 
went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth. And so there's that word mirth again. And, and we understand that Mary is jovial, exhilarated, the laughter, pleasant, agreeable, delightful, causing laughter or mirth. Well, mirth is noisy, gaiety, or social merriment, but it differs from joy and cheerfulness uh, as always to imply that of noise. And so, uh, and, and it also means genial joy to warm the soul. So I wondered and thought about that. What does genial mean? Genial mean in this context. Genial means enlivening or supporting life. What does the Bible say in contrast here in Proverbs 17 and 22? A merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. I got news for you. If your bones is dried up, you're dead. And so Proverbs 17, 22 is telling us that a merry heart doth good like a medicine, to have a jovial spirit, a, a jovial heart, to have a heart of uh, mirth, uh, one that has noisy gaiety, social merriment, uh, genial joy that warms the soul. It's enlivening, it supports life. And so we understand those that are in the mully grubs and down in the dumps all the time, and those that are Mr. and Mrs. Negative about everything that comes or goes really aren't helping themselves in the life that they live. And we want to look at this for just a few minutes because we, we, we often hear Proverbs 17, 22 brought up or mentioned when somebody cracks a wise joke or somebody says something that causes somebody to laugh. And there's nothing wrong with laughter. And there's nothing wrong with finding something funny as long as what you find funny isn't off-colored or, 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 or against the Word of God. But I'll say this, the little wise cracks and the jokes, they go away. And in the wee hours of the night when you're all alone and you're by yourself and we, as we preached this morning and nobody can go with you and you're in that phase of life where the problems that you're going through are just between you and your God. I want you to know the wisecracks and the funny jokes don't cut it right then. The little funnies that you heard during the day or the little cartoon in the paper, just ain't, it ain't going to make life better for me or for you. It's in those times when we better dig deep and figure out what truly brings joy and happiness to one's life. And the Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I don't know about you, but when I get sick, I like some medicine. I like for something to make me feel better. I don't know what got a hold of me right before service there a little while ago, but I had the shakes and I mean, I wasn't feeling good at all. And come to find out, once again, I don't know why I do this, I found out by thinking about it, well, my wife actually brought it to my attention. I hadn't drank anything hardly all day. And I just about got dehydrated. So she took me outside of me and go and shoved a whole bottle of water down my neck, Brother Gene. And I'm feeling a little better about right now, okay? But what I'm saying is when you get to feeling bad, you want something to make you feel better. You want something to help you, to aid in making you feel better. We've reached a time in our society, we get a little headache, and we go to the Tylenol cabinets, you know. We're looking for something to make us feel better. The Bible said a merry heart. That's the, the state of your heart. Being that of jovial, exhilarated to laughter, uh, that of mirth, genial joy, uh, which is enlivening and supporting life. That state of your heart doth good like a medicine. It'll take someone that's not doing too good and make them do a whole lot better. And so here's what I want you to see. A broken spirit dries the bones. Proverbs 12 and 25 says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. But a good word 
maketh it glad. Now, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, and I don't aim to keep on keeping on, all right? I ain't trying, but I've hit a stump in my preaching in the last few services since about uh, New Year's Eve, and I told my wife, I'm going to back up and I'm going to bump it one more time, okay? I just feel like that's what the Lord would have me to do tonight, so you just grin and bear it if you can't handle it, okay? But Proverbs 12 and 25 says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. And so here's what I want you to see. There's a, there's a time, we talked uh, this morning about how that uh, David found himself in a place in his life where Jonathan couldn't go with him any farther. And we understood that when Jonathan couldn't go with him any farther, that David had to learn to trust in the Lord. David had to take his focus off of Jonathan and put his focus on that of the Lord. And the Lord helped him. And day after day, as uh, Saul would go and try uh, to fight uh, to kill David, the Bible tells us that the Lord prevented that from coming to pass. And so all of David's hope and all of David's stay and all of David's protection and provision come from that Lord. It didn't come from Jonathan. Yes, Jonathan loved him. Yes, Jonathan had tried to help him. Yes, Jonathan had done what he could, but he'd done all that he could do and God took it from there. And you and I will do and should do all that we can do, but the Lord picks it up and takes it from there. And I'm thankful that when I can't rely on somebody else, I can rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's what you and I have to do. You do realize after that David realizes that Jonathan can't do anything for him, that when Jonathan sees him the next time, Brother Shane, Jonathan said, the Bible said, strengthened him in the Lord, in God. He strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan didn't come down there and crack a joke. Jonathan didn't come down there and say something funny. Jonathan didn't say something out of his own intellect or his own wisdom, but he held him by the hand and he pointed him towards God because Jonathan knew there would be times when he couldn't go with him any further, but when he couldn't go with him any further, God could help him from there. And so here's what I want you to see. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. There's heaviness in life, friend. There's things that show up in life that causes us to have a broken spirit. And a broken spirit dries the bones. But a merry heart does good like a message. Do you know what causes one to have this mindset of uh, enlivening, supporting life, this, this genial joy that warms the soul, this mirth, this, uh, uh, this, 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 uh, this attitude of heart? We find that it come from the Word of God in Nehemiah chapter number 8. After the Lord had took the children of Israel and got them to a place where they were willing to accept what God had to say, it was Ezra standing from a pulpit of wood proclaiming that what God had to say, what thus saith the Lord God, that caused them to be exhilarated and have joy in their heart because they had heard the words of the Lord. Nehemiah 8 and 12 said, And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because, here is why, here is why they had great mirth. They had understood the words that were declared unto them. Simply put, God had got them to a place where they could accept God's word and when they heard God's word and understood God's word, it was effectual in their life and it changed their outlook on life. Do you know what Jonathan and David realized? Only God was going to help David. And Jonathan, when he had an opportunity to see David again, he strengthened his hand towards God. 
And so here's what I want you to see here. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. You know what simply what we need when we start finding that our attitude is lacking? And our attitude, listen, our attitude, our mind causes us sometimes to, to, to have failing health. You need to understand that. We can let things that's going on in our mind get us to a place where it causes our health to fail. And so here's what I want you to see here. Uh, the Bible said in 1 Samuel 23 and 16, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Jonathan gave David uh, Jonathan gave David uh, something that he, uh, he didn't have in and of himself. Jonathan didn't have anything to give David except the Lord. I don't have anything to give you except the Lord. I don't have anything I can give you except what God's book has to say. Because I want you to understand something. Because I don't understand it. And we've seen that Jonathan didn't know all that David was going through. Jonathan didn't even understand the severity of the situation when, when David had come to him and said, Hey, your daddy is trying to kill me. What have I done? He didn't understand. But I'll say this, when I can't understand and when I don't know what to do, and when I can't fully comprehend your situation, I can take you to a book that does. I can take you to the one that has done live this life, one that's done gone through problems and trials like you and I have never known, and he persevered, and he made it through it, the sinless, perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And I want you to know that he understands and can help uh, take care. But here's what we need to do. The Bible says, but a good word... Maketh it glad. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Do you know what's going to help, folk? The word. The scripture. What God has to say about it. Let me tell you, everything goes back to God's word. To a lost and dying world, you know what we give them, Brother Shane? The truth. You know what we give somebody that's hurting? The truth. You know what we give somebody that needs encouragement? The truth. You know what we give somebody that needs reproof or rebuke? The truth. It ain't never what I think about it, friend. And it ain't really never what you think about it that's going to help us. It's what God thinks about it. I'm thankful that we have something that we can go to that points us in the right direction in every facet of our life, no matter what we go through, no matter if I can understand what you're ha what's happening to you or you can understand what's happening to me. I have a book that helps me get through troubles and trials that you know not of. And I thank God for that. True joy, friend, will come from having your nose in the Word of God. And only God can help you in your time of trouble. So the Bible says here in uh, Job chapter number 6, verse number 24 says, Teach me and I will hold my tongue and cause me to understand wherein I have erred. How forcible are right words. But what doth your arguing reprove? Now let's look at this because what's happened here is Job's three buddies are trying to tell him that he's in the shape he's in because of sin, right? We know that. We understand that. But here's what Job is having to say as a reply. He's saying, you teach me and I'll hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. If I've done something wrong uh, that's caused me to be in the shape that I'm in, show me. If I've done something wrong that's caused me to be in this state of affairs, tell me. I'll change it. I'll do something about it. He says, how forcible are right words. But what does your arguing reprove? In other, words, in other words, what he's saying is everything you're telling me, I'm not guilty of. Hey, what you say uh, may be applying, may be applicable to somebody else, but it's not applicable to my situation. 
And you know what we need? We need words of encouragement or words that are applicable to people's situation. Do you know, I don't always have the right words, Brother Shane. I don't always know how to have the empathy or the sympathy towards someone else's problem because I've not yet gone through it. But I can take them to the Word of God and give them something that will help them through the Scripture. It always goes back to that of the truth. He said, how forcible are right words? Do you know what forcible is? Forcible is powerful, strong, Mighty, efficacious. Now there's, there's a strange word, efficacious. You know what that is? It's effectual. It's productive of effects. Producing the effect intended. Having power adequate to the purpose intended. Powerful. You know what? If I want to try, if my intention is to try to encourage you or try to help you, uh, my intention may be great. But I want you to know the road to hell was paved with good intentions. And, and here's the deal. It's not about, it's my intentions may not succeed. But they'll always succeed if I point you to what God's word has to say about something that's applicable to your life. And Job is saying how forcible are right words. If you give me a right word, if you tell me something from God that, that, that is applicable to my situation, I'd be willing to hear it. I'd be willing to listen. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. You know, people's just looking for a word from God. They're looking for something, but it's the word of God that can help them in their time of trouble. I don't really, I must be honest with you tonight, I don't much like it or appreciate it. When I'm going through something, Brother Shane, that I know that you may not have ever gone through. And then you try to pat me on the back, tell me you understand all about it. I know good and well that you don't understand all about it. I've had things going on in my life in the past that my wife and I understand that you could not relate to, I assure you. Because you hadn't been the one to go through it. And when you tell me all about how you understand, it really ain't doing nothing for me. But if you take me to God's Word in my time of trouble and point me to what God has to say about it, it'll help because how forcible are right words. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Now listen to me here for just a second. The truth. I'm hung up on this matter of truth. I've been hung up on it for about three or four services. I can't help it. We need truth today. We need truth today, and people are finding every reason to get around telling the truth. Listen to what Jeremiah says in chapter 13, verse number 15. It says, Hear ye and give ear. Be not proud, for the Lord hath spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God, before he cause darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. And while ye look for light, he turn it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. But if ye will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride. And mine eye shall weep sore and run down with tears. Because the Lord's flock is carried away captive. In other words, he's telling them in Jeremiah chapter number 13, Jeremiah is telling them, he told them that he was going to lament if they did not give ear to hear what thus saith the Lord. Now we know Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. He was a man that was, was stirred in his soul for the word of God and the truth and what was right. We understand that God sent the truth before he brought the judgment. You need to understand that. 
Before God brought judgment, Brother Shane, he sent Jeremiah to talk to the people of God. And I thank God that he's still sending truth our way today. I'm thankful that I can go home tonight in my time of trouble, Brother Gene, and turn on the lamp and open God's Word and when nobody understands and when nobody can relate and when I've gone with something, when somebody's gone with me as far as they can but can't go no further, I can go to the Word of God and the truth is what will help me in my time of need. I thank God for that. But God sent the truth before He brought the judgment. But listen to me now, this is important. God not only sent the truth before he sent the judgment, Brother Gene, but he knew when he sent the truth that Judah wasn't going to get right with God. Say, why does that that matter? Because God still expected the truth to be told. Now, how, how does that affect us? God expects us to tell the truth, whether the truth is effectual in someone's life or whether it's not. You know what you and I do sometimes? Now pay attention here. What you and I do sometimes is we assess the situation. We, we, we look at it and go, well, you know, I think I've got a prick in my heart that's telling me I should talk to this individual. I think that I need to go speak to this person. But in all reality, I'm going to look at the situation. I'm going to diagnose it. I'm going to come to the determination that if I tell them the truth, they're not going to listen anyway. And if they're not going to listen anyway, then there's really no sense in me going down there and wasting my time or my effort or my breath to tell them what God said. And then we make the decision that we're just going to go ahead and bypass it and not tell them what God said because it's not going to be effectual anyway. It don't work that way, friend. That was the case. Jeremiah wouldn't have said anything. Jeremiah, what Jeremiah said does two things. It turns folk around or it holds them, uh, it holds them against what God said at the judgment. God sent the truth before he sent the judgment and whether they listened or not had no bearing on whether or not Jeremiah was to say what thus saith the Lord God. You and I have the world's worst habit of making a determination on whether we should or should not do what God tells us to do based on how we think the effect or the outcome is going to be. Shame on us, friend. Listen, Jeremiah chapter number 5 said, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. Isn't that the way it is today, friend? There's people all across this land uh, packing churches out everywhere tonight, uh, ready to hear what some uh, preacher gets up to say, uh, and he pussyfoots around, and he sideskirts the issue, and he won't say what the truth is, uh, and he looks for a reason, friend, not to give them at all. But I'm going to tell you, night friend Jeremiah went down there with a word from God Uh, they didn't listen uh, but God still used it and held it to their charge when he judged them today friend said the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so folk love to hear a good message Folk love to hear something that's pleasing to the ear. Folk love to have aesthetically pleasing time at the house of God. They like everything to be just so-so and and everything to be just perfect and pretty and everything to sound just right. Listen, I'm all for that today, friend. But we got to have the truth because the truth is what's going to change it. So the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so. What will you do in the end thereof? That's the question. What are we going to do at the end of this matter? 
What, what's going to be the end of this situation? We had the truth. We should have told the truth. But for some reason, we look for some other alternative. Jeremiah 14 says in verse number 14, then the Lord said, I, listen, I, I kind of get, I kind of get a little bit uh, a complex about this because I don't want you to think I'm trying to be mean tonight. But I'll say this, friend, the truth, I think, will help us. The truth is the only thing that's going to help us. Then the Lord said unto me in Jeremiah 14, verse 14, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. And I sent them not. Now we just, we talked about this the other night. A half truth's a whole lie, right? If all we ever say is God's a big love, a big love, love and hug in the sky and God's just all mercy and grace and we never preach nothing else, friend, we are causing people uh, not to see their need for a savior. We're causing people not to see their sin for what it is. Uh, and we're making people think that a God of love is not a God of judgment and he is indeed a God of judgment. And so we must tell it all. But the Bible says, Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not. Neither have I commanded them. Neither spake unto, uh, unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name. And I sent them not. Yet they say, Sword and famine shall not be in the land. By sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword, and they shall have none to bury them, uh, their wives or their sons or their daughters, for I will uh, pour their wickedness upon them. Therefore thou shalt say this word unto them, Let mine eyes run down with tears night and day, and let them not cease, for the virgin daughter of my people is broken with a great blow. All the things that they were prophesying, all the sweet things they were saying, all the things that they were telling that were not so, I want you to understand, friend, at the end of it all, it didn't amount for nothing. God's judgment was still going to show up. Jeremiah still preached the truth. They didn't want to hear it. They wanted to hear the things that the prophets prophesied falsely and the priests by rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. They just wanted something sweet and something pretty and something that didn't really affect them and something that just grazed the surface and went on and everybody was happy until happy run out friend and happy is going to run out today you need to understand that and so here's what I want you to see in Lamentations chapter number 4 I, I brought it to your attention in Jeremiah 13 and verse number 15 that Jeremiah was warning them that if they did not give ear he was going to cry and weep and lament and we find that the book of Lamentations does just that. It's a book of lamenting and, and crying and weeping over the state of God's people. Let's look at Lamentations 4 for just a moment. Lamentations 4 says in verse number 11 the Lord hath accomplished his fury. He hath poured out his fierce anger and hath kindled a fire in Zion. And it hath devoured the foundations thereof. Now what would Jeremiah 5 and 31 say and what will you do in the end thereof? God's judgment has come to pass. And so here's what I want you to see. And it always does, friend. It always does. The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. So what they thought never would happen has come to pass. And everything Jeremiah preached about has now come to pass. And left Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, crying because they would not give ear to hear what thus saith the Lord. 
Then verse number 13 says, pay close attention, for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her. Do you understand right here in these verses of Scripture that God is blaming this on the prophets and the priests because they wouldn't tell the truth? Man, that ought to be a sobering thing to you and I tonight. God is saying they are being, His people is being judged. His people have endured this judgment, but He's laying the blame and the charge on the priests and the prophets who would not tell the truth. You know, there's a generation today that's going to die and they're going to go to hell. There's a generation that's going to stand at the judgment and God's going to judge them, friend. And you need to understand that you and I, if we don't tell the truth, it will be laid to our charge that we knew what God's book said. We had the truth and we did what most people do today. We skirted the issues and tried not to hurt feelings and tried not to tell them what God said about something, you know, and it never was effectual and it never changed their heart. Listen, it's not our job to determine what will work and what won't work and what's going to fix a problem or not fix a problem. It's our job to tell the truth today, friend. And if we don't, you need to understand something. They will be judged. But a lot of things that they're judged will be laid to our charge. For the sins of our prophets and the iniquities of our priests that has shed the blood of the just in the midst of her Listen to me now. Verse 14 says, They have wandered as blind men in the streets. They have polluted themselves with blood so that men could not touch their garments. They cried unto them, Depart ye, it is unclean. Depart, depart, touch not. When they fled away and wandered, they said among the heathen, They shall no more sojourn there. Listen, the anger of the Lord hath divided them. He will no more regard them. They respected not the persons of the priest. They favored not the elders. As for us, our eyes as yet failed for our vain help and our watching. We have watched for a nation that could not save us. You know, I began to think about this. The, lang- the anger of the Lord had divided him. They wouldn't hear what Jeremiah said. They wouldn't listen to what God's man said to them. They had the truth. Now notice this. They had the truth. They were given the truth. They didn't accept the truth. And even though they were given the truth and didn't accept the truth, even though that the truth had been given them and they chose to disregard it, those that would not tell the truth were still blamed for the, for the issue and for the judgment of those that would not hear what thus saith the Lord God. So here's what I want to say. Even though somebody may be getting the truth somewhere else, Brother Shane, even though they may be disregarding the truth somewhere else, even though they may know what God says about something somewhere else, if you have the opportunity to tell them what the truth says, you better tell them what the truth says. It's not always good enough that they heard it somewhere else. They may need to hear it from you. Even though that God's people had heard the truth and knew what the truth was and had been sold, what thus saith the Lord God. We understand that right here, those that would not tell the truth were the ones that were blamed for the state of God's people. You know what's scary today, friend? 
We got this idea today that we just, you know, we just need to have the attitude that we need to hit the high spots and make the main thing the main thing and all this idea. But listen, I'm all about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. But the whole book is what we're going to have to start preaching. And when we have loved ones and families and friends and, and people that need to be told the truth, we have to tell them the truth. We cannot look at the situation and go, well, they won't accept it. Well, it's not going to affect them. It's never affected them before. It ain't going to affect them this time. It's this simple. When you have opportunity to give them the truth, you give them the truth. One of two things will happen. They'll come back for more truth or they'll go away and you won't have to worry about it the second time. It's that simple. Now, I was telling Brother Marvin just the other day, I've got a, a guy... I have to be careful here. Well, I don't have to be careful. I'll just say it. I got a security guard where I work. And the security guard where I work uh, has got a life that is not pleasing to God. And he knows that I don't live the way that he lives. And so he finds opportunity sometimes to say things to me that he knows that I'm not really going to be interested in hearing. But you know what I'd have to do? I have to tell him that why he's do- what he's doing is wrong and why it's wrong. I can't put my arm around him, Brother Shane, and just tell him every time I talk to him that God loves you. God does love him. God wants him to know that he's a sinner on his way to hell. And until that man realizes what he's doing is against God, he's not going to get right with God. But you know what happens? He suddenly wants to end the conversation every time I start heading that direction. But it never, ever fails that he turns back around and comes to me and wants to pick the conversation back up again. If something's eating at him, it bothers him. It, it, it gets in there where he's at and he just has to talk to me again. You know what it is? God's dealing with the man. God's working on the man. The man's realizing that he's got a problem that's pitting him against God. And so here's what I'm saying to you. I can't skirt the issue. I can't, listen, I I could tell him, I could tell him what God says about something. He could go away and never talk to me again. And I wouldn't have to sit here and worry about what I'm going to say to him anymore. But as long as he keeps coming back and as long as I'm around him and as long as I have opportunity, it's my job to tell that man the truth. I don't, I'm not hateful about it. I've never bit his head off. I've never snarled at him. I've never jumped down his throat. I just told him what the Bible says. All the other stuff doesn't matter for him. I want him to know that I care. I want him to know that I am worried about his state. We've got to, we've got to tell the truth. And so here's what I want you, here's what I want you to turn with me quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. Bible says here quickly, running quickly here. Verse number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And verse number 8, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. So Paul's wrote a letter to the church of Corinth, and he repented because of the way he said and what he said. But then he says, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry. So not, not for the state that it had to take them to. See, we don't get pleasure out of a person being down and out, Brother Gene. We don't get pleasure out of a person having to hit rock bottom. But it says, now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. You know why we give the truth? Because we're hoping people will turn around. You know why Jeremiah cried 
Oh, it wasn't because he got something out of being mean or hateful or nothing else. He cried because his heart was to see God's people turn from their sin. He says, and that, do you realize that's love? Do you realize tonight that's love? He says, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner. You know, anything I could say to turn something around wouldn't matter anyway. We want them to be sorry and we want them to repent and we want them to be changed after a godly manner that you might receive damage of us in nothing. We're damaging people, friend, if we don't give them what God says and let God turn them around. It says, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Notice that, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of. No one has ever repented, received salvation, and then repented of having repented and received salvation. I've never been sorry, Brother Gene, that I got saved. I've never been sorry that somebody told me the truth. I've never been sorry that I got sorry one time about my sorry self. I have to write that down. I might make an alliteration out of that one of these days. Romans 6. Notice this, and I'm closing. Romans chapter number 6 and verses number 20. The Bible says, For when you were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? Listen, there's some things in my life right now that I've done in my past, Brother Gene, that because I'm saved and know what's right, I'm ashamed of it. Have you ever done anything in your life, friend, that causes you to be ashamed? I'm scared of, I'm scared of churches and preachers and, and, and lay members and church members that fill a building, but they're not sorry or ashamed of the things that they have going on in their life. Now that does not mean that there won't be things going on in your life. Don't misunderstand me. But I'll tell you this, Brother Shane. There were some times in my young adult life, my teenage years, and I wasn't a, a, a wicked teenager. I wasn't just I wasn't doping and drinking and drugging and all that stuff. But I'll say this to you. There were some things that I let slip in my life that it would have killed me. It would have killed me if my granddaddy or my grandmother had found out about it. I'll never forget one time, and I ain't trying to tell stories here tonight, but listen to me. I was on a job one time with my granddaddy, and he was plumbing a house. And he was down under a basement, and me and my brother was kicking rocks and playing around, you know. And uh, he kept telling us to get away from that wall because we're going to fall off that wall down in that hole. And we kept goofing off and playing and goofing off and playing. And sure enough, my brother fell off down in the hole down there at the basement. And it knocked the wind out of him and he started crying. And my brother knew my papa told him not to do that no more. So to keep him getting in trouble, my brother blamed it on me. And my brother told my papa that I shoved him off that hole and, and knocked the wind out of him. And my papa looked at me, and I'll never forget it, because I said, Papa, I didn't do that. But my brother was convincing, man. I mean, he put on the show. And my papa looked me in the eyes and he said, son, he said, if there's one thing I can't stand, he said, I can't stand a liar. My papa went back under that house that day and thought that I had lied to him. And it broke my heart that my papa thought that about me. Now, we got it straightened out some years later. First chance I got, I brought my brother in there and made my brother tell him the truth. 
But I'll say this, the fact that my granddaddy was hurt. I mean, my, my papa had tears in his eyes when he told me that. It had hurt him that I that he thought I lied to him. There's things in my in my life, in my past, that I, I'm ashamed of. You know what that is? That's godly sorrow. That's the fact that the Lord's going to work in here and change some things in my life that causes me, although I'm a failure, not to be proud of my failures. You know what that is? That's the, that's the Word of God. That's the truth. Getting on the inside and changing an individual and making them different than they were before. You know what we got to do today? We got to have a Word, and that Word comes from the Scripture and the truth is effectual for all areas of our life. It's not just truth to cause someone to, to repent. It's not just truth, uh, friend, to cause somebody to, to reprove somebody. But the truth's the only thing that's going to help somebody in a low part of their life. The truth's the only thing that's going to help somebody that's going through struggles and trials in their life that nobody else can understand or comprehend. Simply put, friend, the truth is for every area of our life, all the time, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's God's Word that makes the difference. And I want you to understand something today. Getting back on this for just a second. A merry heart doth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth bones. You know, there's a, there's a situation today. Sometimes it's not what's killing you that's killing you. Think about that. Sometimes it's your outlook and your state of mind that's finishing you off. The very thing that actually gets us sometimes isn't what's killing us, but it's our state of mind. And can I say to you, you know how we change our state of mind? The truth. Dig it out of the Word of God. I'm thankful tonight, Brother Shane, that I, I have a life out ahead of me that if I could see my future would probably scare me. The things that I'll probably have to go through and endure and navigate in this life. But I'm thankful to know that when I lay my head down tonight and pillow my head, Brother Marvin, that I've got a book right here that when no man can go with me, no man can help me that I can find the answer to my problems in the Scripture. And with the Holy Spirit and the relationship that I have with God, coupled with His Word, I can persevere and I can stay faithful in this thing all the way to the end. And to live is Christ and to die is gain. And when I lay my head down and I draw my last breath, I'll be thankful and I'll never be sorry for a minute that I served the Lord and I went the direction that God told me to go. And as long as I'm here and as long as you're here, the one thing we've got to do, friend, in all areas of our life, good, bad, and ugly, is just give the truth of the Word of God. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. Now listen to me. If Job said a man is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble, there's going to be heaviness, is there not? You're going to have heaviness. I'm going to have heaviness. There's going to be things in my life that's going to bring me down low. Things in your life that's going to try to drag you down low. But heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Friend, when there ain't nobody to give you a good word, when there ain't a Jonathan that can help you stand in the Lord or hold your hand and point you in the direction of God, go to the Word of God. Go to the Scripture. The truth is good for you and it's good for me. It made a difference in my life and I want to make a difference in others. And if we're going to make a difference in others, no matter what problem they're going through, it will come from the Word of 
God, I don't want the self-help books. I don't need to go down here and see a shrink. What I need is for the Lord to help me. And when we get serious about wanting to know what God's Word says about something, it'll cause us to be merry and jovial and joyful, just like the Word of God was effectual to those in Nehemiah chapter number 8. It made a difference in their life. A merry heart does good like a medicine. You know what? I need some medicine sometimes. And the Word of God gives me just what I need for my ailments and for my time of trouble. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. Sister, if you'll come to the piano. Just find something softly for just a moment. I don't know what you do with the message tonight. If you need to come, I'm going to give you a few minutes to do business with God. If you need to come and talk to the Lord, you come. <laughs> I don't know what you're going through tonight, but I know one that can help you. I know one that wants to help you. I've got a word that can help you. If you need to come tonight, you come as she plays.